Drabblecast B-Sides, Episode 2, 2035, The Year Disco Came Back, by Kevin Bennett. Listen here, brothers and sisters. I feel something moving inside of me. It's a telling me there are those out there right now who lack a faith, who don't believe that one day a disco is coming back to save us all from the sinful sounds of Britney Spears and the musical iniquities of the black-eyed peas. Brothers and sisters, the shepherd is a gathering his flock two by two up into a burning ark. He's riding on a fiery chariot of eagle's wings. And I tell you, just as David slew Polyphemus, he shall usher in the fifth horse of the apocalypse right behind pestilence and famine, my friends. Beautiful, beautiful disco. Can I get an amen? Kevin Bennett is published on Perpetual Magazine's website and has a number of stories that are strictly political floating around a blog called Elective Decisions. He enjoys juggling cats in the sunshine with pina coladas near beaches of alien brothels. He doesn't go inside, mind you, but he likes to feel dangerous. So brace yourself. 2035, The Year Disco Came Back, by Kevin Bennett. I was once told that someday, disco would come back. I didn't believe it until I observed the divine intervention firsthand. There I was on a beautiful Sunday in the park with George. We were sitting on a park bench when suddenly I was whisked away in a greenish cloud of purple flame, whisked away to the year 2135. The year disco came back. George, back in boring old 2006, didn't know what to do with himself, so he did nothing and promptly vanished. In the year 2135, it was a dark and stormy night. And with a mighty crack, the sky opened up. Though, being nighttime, no one was any the wiser. There, sitting on a throne of ivory and omnipotence, was the Lord in all his terrible glory. And God said, Let there be funk. And there was funk. Like a shifting wind, the attitudinal mental society of the 20th century, 70s, and 80s made itself manifest. This new disco they called Neo-Disco. Intellectuals and the 2135 equivalent of white trash both enjoyed the music, one for its inherent aesthetic quality and the other for the scantily clad and strung out females who frequented the dance floor with a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other. There were disco clubs once more. And it was decided that, to be retroactively respectful, the clubs had no choice but to occupy the seediest districts of the largest towns, and they had to use the shittiest disco balls and lights, and their dance floors had no choice but to be pockmarked and beer-stained. And the occupants were required to wear bell-bottoms, sideburns, afros, and tight button-down shirts. And all the men were required to have no dancing ability whatsoever, again in solemn reverence to the original genre, and so would gyrate spasmodically with the acute grace of a conglomeration of penguins on methamphetamine. 
And the women were required to sniff cocaine and wear striped things, smoke mentholated cigarettes, laugh loudly and obnoxiously, and dance as offensively as their male counterparts. And the disco singers were not allowed to create music in accord with the standard of the day. That is, music with conventional rhyme, reason, and or fortitude. Rather, the beats were generated through a machine with a funk backdrop and sometimes a sparse melody that was sung nonsensically with either a nasal twang or a ubiquity of grunting. One would think this difference was dependent upon the gender of the performer, but this was not the case. Ethnicities were a requirement in these neo-disco clubs. However, only under the strict stipulation that they start riots and deal drugs, making sure to close said clubs down on a bi-monthly basis. And cops were acquired for this new fad to sting various disco haunts for the single purpose of arresting the dancers on merit of their negligent dancing abilities. And it was required to keep the clubs alive that other genres of music from the same period be awakened, if only to compete with the neo-disco goers and cause preference riots that bolstered the economic system. And so, from my estranged viewpoint, I saw the Lord again, and again he prepared to issue a decree, and God said, Let there be punk. And there was punk. And that is how things went terribly awry for Neo-Disco. For in the year 2135, common decency had been absconded and replaced with a distinct inclination towards absolute violence in the average Joe. Instead of being an evolved and peaceable conglomeration of humans, in the year 2135, we gave vent to any carnal desire, be it admirable or not. For this reason, every societal member of 2135 was a warrior whose abilities would rival the superhuman powers of the most livid, drunken Irishman. And so, in their bell-bottoms and platform shoes, the masses would tramp around with an assortment of retroactively viable weapons, always just a breath away from tumbling into berserker mode and facilitating nefarious carnage. When my temporarily transmuted body was finally able to walk down the street in the year 2135, I saw these teeming masses separated by a hundred yards, awaiting battle, carnal and violent battle. The kind of battle that would have left widows if the women hadn't been on the battlefield themselves. The kind of battle that would have scared Arnold Schwarzenegger into a soprano. The kind of battle that Lucas and Spielberg pay flunkies to make with blue screens and model aircraft parts, then go back 20 years later and throw out in lieu of computer animation. On the one side were the neo-disco fanatics in their various costumes, adorned with every kind of artistic ornament and wielding crowbars, golf clubs, tire irons, bananas, dead cats, keytars, sharpened combs, rotten breath, dancing that was downright nauseating both to the mind and soul, alarmingly innocuous small talk, and thousands of other nonsensical items. 
And on the other side of the divide were thousands of the neo-disco fanatics' rivals. Emergent neopunks with spiked and colored greasy hair, nose rings, earrings, eyebrow rings, belly button rings, and ringworm. These were the ones who wore leather and band shirts, eye makeup and rouge applied in an isometric fashion, ties adorned higgledy-piggledy, combat boots and fatigues, style entirely sexless. These were the people who, instead of relying on the convention of the old day which defined their aesthetic styles and tastes, instead looked to the future in their retroactive dress, waving pistols, lasers, condoms, iPods, pocket computers, conflicting philosophies, uneducated opinions, needless parental resentment, and a measurable disapproval with society and the middle class from which many of them came. For with nothing to be angry about, sometimes one must be angry about nothing. In reflection, I'm amazed to discover that this futuristic interpretation was a remarkable recreation of contemporary philosophies. As I watched, for a moment the entire world was still, and the combatants didn't move. Nary a sound was heard across the battle plain, or the entire world. Then, a man of obese constitution screamed a blood-curdling, funky scream, and jiggling like an Aunt Jemima titty, he ran headlong at the enemies of Neo Disco, swinging an iron mallet over his head, eyes wild. Though thousands of projectile lasers and rubbers pierced and stuck to his doughy, writhing, running flesh, the inertia of his swiftly moving form carried him into the other crowd. And though he was already dead, this disco fat Albert plunged into the seething punk masses, landing on a minuscule female rocker with red hair and an omnipresent constipated expression on her upper-class pseudo-intellectual face. Like the breaking of a dam, the angry neo-disco fanatics followed their jiggling messiah into the punk horde, screaming and dancing as they ran. But the other side had inciters too, and quite suddenly an angry man with a six-foot purple mohawk of phlegm and steel hefted a featherweight minigun and began to mow down the funkers, screaming incessant and riotous punk speak across the masses. Finally, the two hordes of combatants met, and a stench of alcohol and cocaine such as I have never experienced before or since filled the air as saturated veins of funk and punk were sliced and diced. I saw mohawked noggins fly, platformed legs and combat boots kicking and bleeding and destroying. For hours, this violence reigned, reeled, and raged, underscored by a rich tone of funk and punk that flowed from historically accurate boomboxes carried on both sides by combat impotent inciters acting as drummer boys. all over, when the dust cleared, when there were thousands dead, 
one man remained. He was a skinny and long-haired beast of a man. Hair grew in great clumps about his pale shoulders. He was adorned with many piercings and wore platform shoes. From one hand there stretched a keytar with sharpened keys, and strung tightly across his back was an electric guitar, one of those ubiquitously angled types with a triangular shape and authentic, albeit fresh, blood staining its zebra-striped exterior. And on his wrists were wrapped various spiked armbands, and on his naked chest was a writhing holographic tattoo depicting Ozzy Osbourne, Gene Simmons, Alice Cooper, Axl Rose, Sid Barrett, Robert Plant, and David Bowie in a scene of gory violence. The seven of them simultaneously pummeling the crimson bejesus out of James Taylor, Freddie Mercury, Dennis DeYoung, that sniveling sodomite Lars Ulrich, and the Bee Gees. And as he stood, the negligible smoke and dust that still remained seemed to whisk entirely away, and as he turned towards me, a wind like no other swept up and tousled his livid locks, staggering myself in the process. And the man spun in a circle, slowly raised his arms to the sky, and struck a discordant note on the keytar as he did so, preparing to bellow like a yeti. But at his feet, one last neo-discoist remained, and this man, a heavily sideburned Italian ghost of a man, raised a hand to the standing one's pants and tugged at them. The powerful rock and roll champion looked down in surprise, his keytar going silent. The onlookers held their breath, as did I, every thought hanging on the words of this man, this god of music. The bleeding neo-discoist lying amidst the corpses opened his mouth, but no sound came out. So the rock god bent down to hear. Yet it was suddenly so silent, so deathly silent across that urban plain that even I could hear his last raspy whispered words. Disco will return someday. Uh, uh. He struggled to speak, but forced resolve into his body. I... I, 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 stayin' alive, stayin' alive. And he promptly died. The rock god growled loudly, lifting his keytar high into the air and smashing it down with astonishing force on the corpse of the neo-discoist. The keytar shattered into a million pieces, falling apart like porcelain on a tile floor or a woman without a checkbook. And with another turn, he lifted his arms over his head and grabbed the triangular guitar, striking an angry metal cord. He then slung it about in front of him, lifting his hands to the sky again, and screamed a roar that echoed across the planet in parallel to the rage-filled cord. And a new form of neo-rock-and-roll was birthed in the year 2135. Neo-metal.
but I felt myself waning, and suddenly God was in the sky once more. I asked, What does all this mean? But he only laughed and said, Just wait until I introduce Neo Indie Rock. So... Go! Write what you have seen and heard. It wasn't as though I had much choice. Suddenly I was in the present, feeling drunk and in front of this computer. But then, on the radio, a song started playing, and I knew I had not been dreaming of the year 2135. The year that disco came back. Well, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. Time to talk. Music loud. And when I'm warm, I've been kicked around since I was born. And now it's all right. It's okay. But you may look the other way. We can try to understand the New York Times effect on them. Whether you're a brother or whether you're a mother, you'll stay in the light. Stay in the light. Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking. And we're staying in the light. Stay in the light. This story was brought to you by Drabblecast Productions under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Visit the Drabblecast at www.drabblecast.org. Well now I get low and I get high and if I can't get either, I really try. Cut the wings off, have them on my shoes, I'm a dancing man, just can't lose. Well now it's alright, it's okay, I live to see another day. We can try to understand the New York Times effect on man. Whether you're a brother or whether you're a mother, you'll stay in the light, stay in the light. Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking and we stay in the light, stay in the light. Somebody help me, somebody help me. Life's going nowhere, somebody help me. I'm staying alive.